This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by Shoes and Socks. Ow, it hurts when I walk outside. Wear shoes and socks, you dummy. Hello, and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me on the Hitting Play hotline once again is a returning guest, a guy who's already bought half the tickets at his local theater, our go-to Star Wars expert, Paul. Paul, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott. Great to be back. How many Star Wars tickets did you buy? 18. (laughs) You you actually uh, got confirmation from 18? Or 17 other people, or are you just going to spread out? No, I have everyone accounted for. No one's paid me yet, but... Oh, I see. <laughs> um, I was ordering them on Fandango as we watched the trailer Monday night during uh, halftime of football. Yeah. I was ordering them for the 8.30 showing, which was the first 2D showing available at my local theater. And then a few days later, I hopped on to pretend to buy more tickets to if it was sold out, and I saw that they had added a 7.30 showing. <laughs> so I ended up uh, exchanging the tickets for the earlier time. Nice. 7 o'clock is the first showing, but that's in 3D, and no one really cared to see it in 3D. So. Yeah. So I, I hope to see it in IMAX, and, yeah. and I'll do 3D then. Well, this week, Paul and I carefully examined the new trailer for the most anticipated film of the year, Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And this is actually the third trailer that was released. And it made its debut, as Paul mentioned, during halftime of ESPN's Monday Night Football as the New York Giants visited the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday, October 19th, 2015. It was really kind of a crappy game. But I I watched it all the way to the half, at least. Yeah, it was the best part of the evening. (laughs) (laughs) I actually missed the first half. I was out and about and called you on my way home to see where the game stood. Tried to buy the tickets at the movie theater, but their doors were locked at 9.30 that night. Yeah. So I rushed home, flipped on the TV as soon as I ran in the door, and I think there was maybe a minute left in, in the second quarter, so I didn't miss anything. It's pretty funny. ESPN, I guess, released the numbers, and yeah, the ratings just shot up for halftime for everybody wanting to see that trailer. It's pretty funny. Now, the first trailer for this movie was actually more of a, like, a short teaser. We got a couple of quick scenes, a couple of looks at some characters, and uh, the second trailer definitely gave us more action. But this third trailer, it really helps us to put together some of the pieces of the narrative, while fortunately leaving a lot of questions unanswered. That's a problem I have with trailers, and normally I would not watch them. Uh, I don't want anything you know, given away. But I think J.J. Abrams and his crew are just being so careful with this movie that, uh, you know, I can be confident I can watch this. And even though we can put some pieces together, as we'll talk about, there's a lot left up in the air for us to speculate on. Yes, definitely. All right, so let's get right into it. The, The trailer opens with the face of a figure wrapped in cloth and wearing goggles, and attached to this person's head is a small light, and we see some sort of weapon extending from their back. And obviously this is the character of Rey, played by Daisy Ridley. Uh, We saw a similar cloth and goggles on her head in uh, earlier trailers for this movie. At this point of the trailer, the music is very light. We we only hear a few piano keys here and there. Very, very subtle. 
but uh, the camera cuts back and we see her scavenging through the wreckage of what looks like one of those fallen star destroyers. Yeah, going through this crash ship looking for anything that she can scavenge up and uh, probably sell or uh, per perhaps make something of her own out of it, whether she uh, works on any machinery herself. And I saw online somewhere where people made a connection between this get-up of hers and uh, what Leia kind of looked like when she was pretending to be a bounty hunter okay. in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So that was an interesting connection that I kind of I kind of made myself, but I saw that others were thinking that way too. It almost looked like Hoth gear a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, with the goggles and covering the mouth and stuff. Yeah. Trying not to inhale too much dust or anything. Yeah, we get the sense that Rey is very self-sufficient. And uh, she she provides for herself. She seems to be uh, a loner. And, yeah, this is how she survives on this barren planet. So the camera then cuts to her. She's swinging and rappelling down into, like, this large open area inside of the dark abandoned ship. And we see a lot of holes in the spacecraft. And, you know, really beautiful shot. We see the beams of light going through the dusty air. And uh, in voiceover, we hear a female voice asking, Who are you? I'm not sure whose voice that is. Um, you know, obviously, many people immediately think it might be Leia. There are other female characters in the movie, too. So it could be Leia, you know, when when they first meet, trying to get to know this new character that might be fighting for their side. But I guess we'll find out. Then the trailer cuts to Rey and BB-8 kind of just traversing the barren desert landscape of Jakku, which is... Uh, not Tatooine, as we assumed very early on, and uh, it's just this uh, desert moon, I believe it is. And like I said before, I'm glad that we're seeing other parts of the Star Wars universe and not just sticking to the same few planets that we're used to. Yes. So we then hear a younger female voice reply, I'm no one. And this, I'm pretty sure, is Daisy Ridley's character, Ray. Yeah, I definitely think it sounded like her. The scene then cuts to... Another scene of the Jakku landscape with a small spacecraft taking off on the horizon. And in the foreground of the frame, we see some more rusted wreckage. And the trailer then cuts to another view of Rey, and she's now sweaty and dirty without the, the cloth or the goggles on her head. And she's sitting at a table in an open tent at a busy Jakku encampment. And uh, this might be some sort of market or something. And she's wearing thick gloves and holding some sort of nondescript piece of technology. I'm not sure if, uh, if she was watching that spacecraft take off. I mean, that's the way the trailer kind of flights together. Yeah. Make it look like that. But um, if that is the case, it, it almost makes her a lot like Luke. You know, someone that is young and, and wants more out of life, wants an escape off of this planet wants to be doing something else and is just kind of stuck where they are right now. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the sense that I got from this as well. Very reminiscent of Luke, and I think throughout this movie we're going to have a lot of things that may not be directly calling back to moments, but it will invoke those same memories that we had from the original trilogy. Yes. The trailer then cuts to black, and we get that familiar Lucasfilm Limited logo. And the next scene of the trailer is a similar shot to the one that we saw on an earlier trailer set on a snowy planet. 
We presumed it was Hoth, but now I'm not so sure. Uh, here once again we see a large army of snow troopers, along with TIE fighters and gun turrets and other officials, uh, facing a man in black on a large platform with a gigantic red banner draped behind him. Yes, again, we discussed that in uh, our review of the second trailer, and it is a beautiful shot with the, the white and black and red. Yeah. A lot of people have mentioned it, calling to mind scenes of World War II, which, you know, that's kind of where Lucas drew some of his inspiration, calling the bad guys stormtroopers and things like that. Yeah. Early me shot, and yeah, we don't think it is Hoth anymore. I don't know that I've seen a name for this planet. It's believed that this ice planet is the location of the Starkiller base that we've heard about. Yes. That possibly has been seen on the poster that was released, I believe, the week before this trailer came out. There was a spherical object in the top right corner. At first, I was a little concerned that they were making a third Death Star. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but after I read about what other people were saying, they believe that Starkiller Base is this giant base built into this ice planet. I guess that's what we might be seeing here. Yeah, and since you bring up the poster, let's just talk about that briefly. Beautiful poster in a very similar style to the other movies. Uh, one big noticeable omission is uh, no Luke Skywalker. Yes, that has been getting a ton of buzz on the internet, like everywhere you go. I check Yahoo every day for news, and it's always like five of the headlines I see on the front page is like, what J.J. Abrams said about leaving Luke out of the trailer or leaving <laughs> Luke off the poster. And there's all this speculation, you know, has Luke in these 30 years between movies turned to the dark side? Is that why we don't see him? Or is is he just playing with us? You know, does Luke maybe not have a very big role in this one? Perhaps he doesn't come around until episodes eight or nine. Yeah. We definitely know he is in this movie. I mean, his, his name is on the poster as one of the actors in it, but yes. to what degree will be interesting. There's only that one clip that we saw in the second trailer, and we see it again in this one, where we think it's Luke because of a possible mechanical hand and the presence of R2, but that's all we see. Yeah, that's they're being very secretive when it comes to Luke Skywalker, which is fine, that's good. Leaves a, a big mystery. Yeah, like you said, you don't want the whole movie spoiled for you before you even... Yes, and a lot of studios kind of fall into that where they, they give you way too much when they're showing these trailers. Yeah, and according to the poster here, Mark Hamill is second build, right after Harrison Ford. So also, that, that man in black that we see on the pedestal that everyone is facing and listening to, all of the, the troopers and everything, this may very well be Donald Gleason's character, General Hux. It's very hard to tell, and that may be Captain Phasma standing behind him a few feet to the right. Very, very hard to tell. This is a very dense shot, very big shot, and uh, these characters are just so tiny, even on a large screen, so we'll see. But we do know that, that General Hux is stationed at the Starkiller base. I believe that was one piece of information that was given to us, and uh, he's a First Order General, which is, you know, basically the uh, what the Empire is now known as. Someone that has 
Yeah, Andy Serkis has actually given billing over Donald Gleason in the poster. And uh, just above, uh, or before Andy Serkis is actually uh, Lupita Nyong'o, and I haven't seen her in the trailer as well. So then in the trailer, we cut to the character Finn, played by John Boyega, as he quickly removes his Stormtrooper helmet, and we see that he has a look of serious concern on his face. Uh, this is uh, very similar, or if not, the exact footage we saw in the second trailer. Maybe a little more added to it. We notice that his helmet and his suit are dirty, and it appears that he may have a little blood under his nose. That's at least what it looked like to me. And it indicates that he may have just been involved in some sort of battle. And in voiceover, we hear him say, I was raised to do one thing. Yeah, I was really interested in the way he said I was raised to do one thing. Yeah. I personally thought that a stormtrooper, you know, would be someone, at least Star Wars universe we knew, I thought stormtroopers were young cadets that joined the academy and they became that, you know, it wasn't like a way of life for them, it's just kind of became a job for them to do. Yeah. But for him to say I was raised to do one thing, it's like, was he an orphan? Was he taken as a very young child and brought up for this way of life? Yeah. It just raised those kind of questions in my mind. What kind of background he has and how long he's been associated with the First Order and was being groomed to be a stormtrooper. But definitely squashes the belief I had from the first teaser that he was just donning the uniform, the armor, to uh, get out of a sticky situation yeah. and was always a good guy, like I thought. You know, I thought it was going to be a similar situation to, like, Luke and Han running around the Death Star in Stormtrooper armor. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's going undercover in this one. No. But definitely the same look of concern and fear on his face. Uh, it seems more of a crisis of conscience now. Now this scene fades into a scene in space where we see a large Star Destroyer in the background and uh, this may be a ship called the Finalizer, but I'm not, I'm not sure. And uh, below it, a TIE fighter is incapacitated in this bright blue explosion and it's sent careening towards a planet below and we can presume that this is Jakku. I definitely think this is probably Finn's mode of escape. You know, we see him on Jakku later and there's been photos of a crashed TIE fighter mm -hmm. in the desert that have been released so but this is a beautiful shot I love I love the look of this shot with uh, the TIE fighter spinning toward the planet and just all the little pieces of metal and stuff flying off of it yeah looked really cool yes using CGI for its proper purpose but even when you use CGI I mean you can make stuff look realistic and you can make stuff look cartoony like the prequels tended to do it seemed we had to bring up the prequels in this oh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> misa no like the prequels finn's voiceover then continues but i've got nothing to fight for yeah so as as you said you know crisis of conscience the change of heart something he has seen or experienced makes him question how he was raised and what his job is and We'll talk about that more later when we try to put the pieces together and come up with what we think may have caused that. I, I have one idea in mind. So we next see Finn on Jakku. He's now out of his suit. He's dressed in black and he's holding a jacket as he walks to an overlook with a small city or camp below. Really beautiful area here where they shot this. 
Uh, the camera then cuts to his face, and he's squinting and, and sweating as the hot sun beats down on him. Yeah, he's not dressed well for the desert. <laughs> no. The color black, a heavy leather jacket, it looks like. But we can assume that that settlement he's looking down on is probably where he's going to come across Ray. Yes. Now, the, the Stormtrooper uniform underneath the armor is a, a some sort of black bodysuit, correct? Um, I don't know. I've, you know, we've never really seen that in any of the movies. I'm just wondering around, like, the neck area. Isn't it always black? I always thought that that was some sort of under underclothing. Yeah, it might be. I, it is black, I know for sure. Yeah. But I, I didn't know if it was just another piece of the armor or if it was uh, some kind of bodysuit underneath. Yeah, I'm just wondering if that's what he was wearing underneath the Stormtrooper armor, if that's the where we see him now at this point. But now we cut again to black, and this time with a swell of percussion. And we next see the busy control center of some sort of First Order starbase or a ship, and we see the character of Kylo Ren as he watches a large bright red projectile streak by outside. So what do you think is going on here, Paul? Well, again, looking at the poster, there is um, something on that. If that is Starkiller base we see there, there's a big red object. Uh, almost looks like a thruster on a starship or something. Yeah. So whether whether it's that and it, it can make the planet travel through space wherever they want to go, or um, if it's a weapon, since that's the only red thing we've seen up to this point, I kind of assume that might have something to do with that. Yeah. He would definitely have to be in his ship to see it go side to side from his perspective, or he's orbiting sideways, but... Uh... Yeah, be interesting to see exactly what this is. Now, next, the music in the trailer begins to really build. There's really great music in this. And in voiceover, we presumably are hearing Kylo Ren say, Nothing will stand in our way. And uh, we get a close-up of his face, or, you know, his mask at least. And he continues, I will finish what you started. And the camera cuts to uh, something we saw in the first teaser trailer, this warped and melted mask of Darth Vader, with the breathing sound being heard in the mix. So what do you make of this, Paul? Well, it answers the question, uh, who is in possession of Darth Vader's mask? Yep. Because we had wondered, or I had wondered before, if it was Kylo Ren or if it was Luke. But we've, we've heard talk about, you know, Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren and who they are and what they're about. And it seems like one thing they like to do is travel the universe looking for collector's pieces of, of the Sith, you know, of times past. Yeah. So this is one thing that he's acquired and seems like he looks up to Darth Vader and wants to uh, follow in his footsteps. And if you're a collector of Sith artifacts, man, Vader's helmet's got to be a big one. <laughs> Wonder what that would go for on eBay. <laughs> Not in mint condition, however. Now, so, the Knights of Ren, is that something, is that official? Is that something we've heard of in the, the, the new expanded universe? I haven't personally. I'm actually uh, in the process of reading the book called Aftermath, mm -hmm. which um, happens between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, but closer to the time of Return of the Jedi. And I'm only about seven chapters in, so I haven't come across anything that sounds anything like what's going to happen in this new movie. So it's all kind of been speculation, I think, by fans. I don't know what, if anything, has been confirmed by Abrams or Disney. 
Yeah, like a title. Yeah, but no, there, there's not a lot known about them outside of just speculation, I believe. And I heard that he's not even a real Sith. Have you heard that as well? Yes. I do not know if he has the ability to use the Force. In the one shot that we see in this trailer that we saw in the last trailer, he kind of throws his hand out, turns around and throws his hand out, and that tells us, you know, he's doing a Force push on something, possibly. Yeah. But I don't know. They're deliberately being secretive with this character's history as well. Yeah. Which kind of leads to our speculation about his connection to Luke Skywalker, but we'll save that for the end. So we next see Kylo Ren slowly placing his open-gloved hand on the face of a, I don't know if he's sitting or kneeling, Poe Dameron. This is Oscar Isaac's character. And we can see that there was some sort of violence previous to this because of the, the blood and the sweat on his face. And as Kylo Ren's hand gets closer, Poe begins to scream, and this shot fades into a scene of incredible destruction on some sort of forested planet as this wave of a, a reddish explosion rushes towards the camera. So what's going yeah. on here? <laughs> well, it seems like Poe Dameron got himself captured at some point in the movie. Yes. And um, possibly is being tortured, whether the blood on his face is, you know, maybe he crashed his starship and was injured in that, and that's how he was captured, or maybe it was done to him afterward. But it raises some questions, you know, obviously, we know Poe Dameron is going to be a main character, so yes. um, he's going to have a lot to do in the movies, but the fact that the enemy sees fit to capture him and to torture him, it makes us ask, what would they want to get out of it? Mm. But does Dameron know that they're trying to get out of him, or is he possibly trying to turn him to to his side and then as far as the explosion goes it really i looked at it a couple times in slow motion and it looked like there was possibly snow mixed in with the trees yes so i'm wondering if it's that same setting that we've seen before of like a snowy forest location if that's where this explosion is happening yeah whether it's an explosion caused you know by star killer base or not because again it's a really big red explosion not sure yeah if star killer base is what we think that it's a large death star like planet then that red explosion could be the primary weapon fired upon another place or it could be on that very planet as the weapon is being fired so you know we'll, we'll just have to see yeah but it made me think of leia being you know quote unquote interrogated as alderaan also faced an explosion but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if these two scenes are even connected. Yeah, some people made that connection, and they were like, oh, you know, he's destroying Poe's home planet, just like Vader did, you know, and Grand Moff Tarkin did to Leia. And I was like, I don't know if they'd go that far to, you know, try to connect the movies and, yeah, I hope and <laughs> make them similar. <laughs> now, the, the comic series that, are, that Marvel's putting out, they're, they're just churning out title after title now. And uh, there's one called Shattered Empire, Journey to Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, something like that. I believe you, you've you been reading that, right? Yeah, I read I read the first issue, and you have that as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I read that uh, last week, and I noticed that one of the characters, his last name is Dameron. He was a fighter on the moon of Endor during that battle, 
Jedi, and his wife has a different last name, but she was an A-wing pilot that uh, was flying in space during that battle, the assault on the second Death Star. Yeah, so his family history is directly tied to the end of Jedi, which is kind of nice. Uh, it's kind of creepy. I think I actually texted you this, but from the uh, official description of the first uh, issue of this comic book, it says that uh, after the space station goes down, you know, speaking about the the, the second Death Star, Bay, which is Poe's mother, is reunited with her husband, Rebel Ground Forces Sergeant Kes Dameron. Their reunion is tre passionate, but sadly short-lived, as they join Han Solo on a mission to take out the last entrenched Imperial base on Ewok's forest moon. Of course, the surname Dameron is instantly recognizable to fans. Poe Dameron is the primo pilot played by Oscar Isaac in The Force Awakens, and some quick math makes it very plausible that he could be the fruit of the Dameron's post-battle celebration. <laughs> very, very creepy way of describing that his parents were involved in that last battle over Endor, but yeah, we get the idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they went out of their way to give someone the same last name as one of our new characters, and Poe Dameron is the only one that they've actually given us the last name to, really. Yeah. As far as the new heroes go, you know, we still don't know Ray's last name or Finn's last name, so whether they're just toying with us again or uh, whether their last names could have some significance and they have relatives that we've seen before, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I, I, I hope that uh, not everyone's related and connected like in the prequels, you know? Well, they have to have a certain midichlorian count if they're going <laughs> to wield the force. Did not want a midichlorian mention in this episode. Okay, so anyway, back to the trailer. You know, we get this huge wave of devastation, and the music rises to a crescendo, and it becomes, I believe, the music from Empire Strikes Back. It, just a, a different arrangement, but uh, just so beautifully done. It just It's one of those things, music kind of brings up all those memories, you know, of, the, of these earlier movies. Uh, very uh, exciting to hear. Yeah, the, the, uh, the music that's playing right at this part, I believe, is... Very, very similar to the music that plays at the end of Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. when Luke is getting his new hand and Lando and Chewie are setting off to track down Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. Same composition there, I believe. Yeah. And I actually, I started following uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega on Instagram and they were both with John Williams as some of the final pieces of the score were being worked on today. Oh, wow. So, as we talk about the music... Definitely going to be, you know, a lot that we're used to. Uh, obviously, some new pieces as well. Yeah, which is great, and so great that John Williams is still doing this music for them. So we next see the Millennium Falcon being pursued by TIE fighters in and around the wreckage of Star Destroyers on Jakku. And uh, this is uh, something that we saw pretty early on. I think we saw this in the first teaser trailer as well, a little bit of this action. Yeah, the first teaser showed us two... TIE fighters attacking the Millennium Falcon. We didn't see any Star Destroyer wreckage at that point. But then in the uh, second one, we did see where the Falcon was flying into a crashed Star Destroyer. All the scenes throughout all the trailers, and especially this one, of, of ships and dogfighting. We don't see any space battles, but we see a lot of ship-to-ship -ship combat within the atmospheres of different planets. And yeah. It all just looks amazing. It really does. And uh, it kind of answered one of our questions about, you know, why would TIE fighters be on this planet? 
earlier when we saw the Star Destroyer over what we presume is Jakku before uh, what we think is Finn's TIE Fighter careening down towards the, the planet's atmosphere. That would explain why the TIE Fighters would be around. They need a base, as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi taught us a long, yeah. long time ago. In that making of video that was released a few months back, there was one part in that where we saw Daisy Ridley's character, Ray piloting what looked like the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. So it'll be interesting to see at what point that actually happens, if that's at some point in this battle, if, if Han and Chewie hop on the uh, gunner seat of the Falcon to shoot at the TIE fighters, and she's actually doing some of this piloting. Oh, yeah, could be. Now, in voiceover, we hear Ray say, there were stories about what happened, and Han Solo replies, it's true. So the, the action scene here fades to Ray and Finn looking through a holographic planetary chart. And it's hard to tell where they are, but it looks very similar to the interior of the Millennium Falcon. And uh, the camera cuts to the other side of this hologram where Han Solo continues in his saying to Ray and Finn, all of it. So she says there were stories about what happened. Han Solo replies, it's true, all of it. So what do you make of this, Paul? Well, um, you know, she's kind of, seems led an isolated life on the planet of Jakku. There's something about her, obviously, that makes, uh, what are they called now? They're not the Rebel Alliance anymore, but making, oh, yeah. you know, these freedom fighters want to have her join their cause. So Han's kind of bringing her up to speed on where they are, what's happened before. And, and this conversation seems to continue uh, as we see other scenes in the trailer as well. And the, the Rebel Alliance is actually called the Resistance now. Okay. That's still kind of a strange concept to me. I, I didn't do a lot of reading of the Expanded Universe, but what I did read, they pretty much took over the, the galaxy after Return of the Jedi and, you know, became the new Republic, set up a government, and they were just fighting these small factions and warlords that were left over of the Empire. But in this, I mean, we're 30 years later, and it's Seems like they're still in the same tough spot, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it's an entire galaxy. That's got to be a tough, long fight. Yeah, but they're still, seems like they're still outnumbered, outgunned. I don't know, it still seems like they're the underdogs in this fight. So, yeah, you know, I'm not sure where Jakku is situated in terms of the galaxy. It seems like it might be one of these Outer Rim worlds where Luke grew up. And, you know, news doesn't spread too fast in the galaxy. And, you know, there, there could just be these stories of, uh, you know, certain things that happened a relatively short time ago when you consider, you know, the scope of what we're dealing with. Uh, and so, yeah, they may, might have questions as to whether that was true or not. And uh, who better to ask than, you know, the eyewitness to all of it, you know, or at least one of them, Han Solo. So we then immediately cut to an exterior shot of the Millennium Falcon flying through hyperspace followed by the words, This Christmas. So, uh, yeah, kind of cool to see hyperspace from an exterior shot, kind of going past us. Yeah, there is a shot in A New Hope, I believe, of the Falcon traveling through hyperspace, and it has the same look to it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're used to the star streak look when they first jump, but then the best way I can describe it is kind of like different shades of blue and kind of cloudy looking. Yep and cylindrical, you know, like a tunnel through space. Abrams has done pretty well with showing this 
Starship Enterprise as it's uh, traveling through warps. So he's kind of used to that, that yeah. look. Yeah, definitely matched the effect very well. So the music now transitions into, I believe, music from A New Hope. And we get three quick looks at a darkened scene where Kylo Ren and six other Sith-looking underlings, uh, they all stand together in the rain and there's bodies lying all around them. And we see now Kylo Ren is holding that signature hilted lightsaber. Yeah, a lot of speculation if this could actually be other members of this Knights of Ren, if they're still in existence. You can't really get a good look at this between the flashes of lightning or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it, it seems like all the helmets look different. All the armor is kind of unique to each individual. So they all just kind of do their own thing. But, you know, they're all wearing black. So they have that in common. But it'll be really interesting to see who these other individuals are and how much we see of them or if they're off kind of doing, you know, their own missions or whatever while Kylo Ren is doing his thing. Yeah. We next see a fleet of X-Wings flying across a body of water on an Earth-like planet, uh, as we saw in earlier trailers. But here we get a little more because now we see what they're flying towards as the camera cuts to the burning wreckage of what looks like a base with stormtroopers taking their positions among the, the rubble. Off in the distance, we get a very cool shot. There's at least, I, I counted at least 11 X-Wings speeding towards them and it just kind of spraying water in their wake behind them. Yeah, I think I actually counted 12, which would make sense. I think typically squadrons in the past of Star Wars movies and books were 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't notice the first few times I watched the trailer, I, I was focused more on the stormtroopers scurrying about in the, uh, the debris. Yeah. But then when I paused it and looked, could see the X-Wings flying toward them over the body of water. It's a really neat shot and just kind of makes you wonder, like, why are they attacking? It looks like whatever was there is gone now. Yeah, exactly. And there, there's just a few stormtroopers left over. It seems kind of uh, a waste of the, the fighter pilots going after stormtroopers. You'd think they'd use ground troops for that purpose. Yeah, and we'll have to see exactly what this place is. I, some people have speculated, oh, it could be, you know, Endor, it could be Kashyyyk, it could be Yavin 4. It, it's hard to tell. It could be a completely new planet, for all we know. Yeah, I'd probably say it's a new one again. We also get a little more from Han Solo as he continues speaking. In voiceover, he says, the dark side. We next get another shot of this burning base, and we see that it's situated right on the water. X-Wings and TIE Fighters are just battling all around it. So obviously, this battle or this area is of great importance. The trailer cuts then to a scene of members of the Resistance on this Earth-like planet as they run to their stations, very reminiscent of from the first movie. We see Poe Dameron in his orange and white X-Wing pilot uniform run under one of the noses of one of the X-Wings, and he brushes past Finn, who is standing there carrying a blaster. They're kind of walking in different directions, and they kind of share an interesting look. I, I, I had to rewind this a few times. I'm really not sure what's going on here. Yeah, and this was actually um, put out there by uh, the Star Wars Instagram page before this trailer was even released. It makes you wonder, you know, is Poe just kind of wishing luck to Finn, who he doesn't know, but, you know, he's he's a brother in arms, so he's just, you know, patting him on the shoulder and saying good luck or whatever, or do they actually know each other from before this? 
Yeah, it's hard to tell. It almost looks like there could be a history there. And if you look at it slowly, he's pushing his elbow into him. I mean, this would be a, a flagrant foul if this was the NBA. But uh, Finn, he really doesn't notice Poe until after they bump into each other. And then the, the camera continues to follow Finn during the sequence. And he stops in his tracks to look at Poe. And it's really hard to read their expressions. I, I'm not sure whether this is something like like Finn kind of looking and thinking like, yeah, we got this, or something like, is this a rival of his? It's very, very hard to tell. Some have also speculated on whether Finn might uh, recognize Poe from fighting against him as a stormtrooper. Obviously, he would have had his helmet on, so Poe wouldn't know who he is from that, but I don't know if they would share that connection or not, considering, you know, Finn was a, a stormtrooper and Poe's a pilot, so yeah, wouldn't be fighting each other too much on <laughs> that, but... Yeah, definitely more to this story, so I, I look forward to finding out what this is all about. The Han Solo voiceover continues again. He says, the Jedi. And we next get a couple of very beautifully shot action scenes. One behind an X-Wing in pursuit of a TIE fighter and destroying it. And uh, we also see that massive explosion on Jakku with a TIE fighter flying by from the earlier trailer and Ray and Finn's reaction to it. I really, really like the look of the X-Wing dive bombing over that battle and shooting at the TIE fighter and it blowing up. A really nice looking shot. Yeah. Spaceship battles and really every one of these movies have been just beautifully done. And uh, this, this movie is uh, no exception. Now we next see a large stone building, almost like the temples that we saw in Yavin 4, but this has many different colored flags and banners randomly hanging in front of it. And Han Solo is there and he's leading Rey, Finn, and BB-8 into it. And uh, they walk past this really cool looking droid, very tall red droid. He almost looks like a, uh, <laughs> like he's made out of a refrigerator from the 50s. And Finn seems to give the droid an extra long look as he walks by. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they're going to meet in this building. It doesn't seem like a resistance building. Uh, we know that there are pirates, space pirates, in this movie. Yep. There's also been talk of huts possibly being involved, so they could be going to meet a hut. Did you happen to pause and try to examine those banners at all, Scott? I really didn't see much there. I know that they were just uh, multicolored. They looked worn. They didn't look like something brand new. There didn't seem to be any sort of pattern between the, the banners and how they were being hung. It just seemed like old flags or something. I didn't look at it too closely until I read what other people had said about this scene. And they said that the banners were Mandalorian. We know the armor that Boba Fett wore was Mandalorian. And if you pause it just before it moves on to the next scene, if you look top of the screen, middle, dead center, you'll see a white banner with a red logo on it. And the logo looks like a skull. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the uh, logo, the symbol that Boba Fett had on his armor, on his left shoulder. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So... That's interesting. George Lucas didn't really cover anything about the history of the Mandalorians. Many people thought they were somehow involved in the Clone Wars before the prequels were actually made, and they weren't. The only Mandalorian we saw was Jango Fett, uh, 
Yeah, so I guess we could say that the Clone Wars were involved with Mandalorians since they were all clones of him. Well, let's not get But uh, it'll be interesting to see if that holds any significance, whether they put that there for a reason or just something for the fans to spot. I don't know. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, something I, I would have definitely not noticed. But yeah, like you said, there's space pirates involved somewhere in this story. We know Lupita Nyong'o plays a space pirate in this movie, and we haven't seen her yet. She could be in there. Uh, this could be, you know, Han and Leia's house, for all we know. And I believe her character is going to be completely CGI, isn't she? Because we see in that uh, behind-the-scenes video, we saw this scene where she had all those little dots on her face, and she had, like, a camera kind of capturing her motion and stuff. Yeah. So I don't think she's actually going to be in the movie physically. I think they recorded her likeness doing different things, and that's what we're going to see. Yeah, a completely motion-captured character. Kind of like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. No, he plays someone else in this. <laughs> Han Solo then continues in voiceover, they're real. Okay, now, so let's stop and go back to what Han says, because this kind of spans over all these different segments that we're saying. So, Ray says, there were stories about what happened. Han Solo replies, it's true, all of it. The dark side, the Jedi, they're real. Yep. So again, confirming what maybe Finn and Rey had just heard as stories, especially if, you know, Finn was just raised within the Empire or the First Order, they may not uh, spread too many stories about uh, their defeat in the Jedi Order. And, uh, you know, Rey, like you said, living in isolation, probably haven't heard about these things. So they, they might have a lot of questions about these rumors, these stories, if they are true. And like we said, Han Solo, of course, could tell you that they definitely are. And Han being a skeptic about the Force throughout these movies, we see that, uh, yeah, you know, all these years later, how could he deny it, you know? Yeah. Now, we, again now, we see that scene from the second trailer of a kneeling person in a dark cloak on what we thought was a volcanic planet, and he's placing his robotic right hand on R2-D2. And, uh, you know, just the clues really strongly indicate that this is Luke Skywalker, but they are not telling us. Oh, they're not. And I've also wondered if this could be on Jakku or another desert-like planet and just a fire is going in front of the character, you know? Yes. Because we see scenes of nighttime and stormtroopers and Kylo Ren and fires, and it kind of almost seems like a similar setting. Yeah, we get a little more of the scenes that take place here because the trailer next cuts to a scene where a shuttlecraft, very close to the Empire shuttlecrafts that we remember from the original trilogy, and it lands on this planet, and we can see that the sky is dark and ashy and there's burning embers flying through the air, and in the foreground we see stormtroopers, what looks to be one of their transport vehicles, and a couple of handmade-looking tents. So we tend to believe that they are, you know, landing on this planet that's already civilized. This doesn't seem to be that type of volcanic planet. There's burning tents and homes, and instead of volcanic ashes, these are most likely smoldering embers flying through the air from these houses that are being burned. Yeah, it made me think that they're possibly looking for something or someone. This probably is also where we see... Um, from the behind-the-scenes video, there was a scene of a stormtrooper with a flamethrower. Yep. That's probably... 
probably at this location, they're probably burning huts down and possibly taking lives as well as they search for something. So there are huts in this? <laughs> One T, not two. Okay. <laughs> so we next see the reflective armored stormtrooper, which we now know is Gwendolyn Christie's character, Captain Phasma, and she's leading a unit of stormtroopers past these burning tents and structures. So, yeah, exactly kind of what we thought, uh, that uh, they are searching these homes and driving people out of them with these flamethrowers. And I'll talk more later about what I think the significance of that may be. Okay. So the trailer next cuts to Kylo Ren, as he too is walking with the troopers around these burning tents, and we see him swipe down with his lightsaber, and the trailer immediately cuts. And what we next see is Rey next to what looks like to be some sort of body, and she's looking up in tears. Now, I had to really look closely here at who she was crying over, and I got a little nervous because it looks like it's a hairy body. Did you notice that too? Yeah, I definitely thought I saw signs that it might be Chewbacca. I saw hair, I saw what could have been his bandolier, yep. his pouch, possibly. I definitely, if I had to pick one character that she's crying over there, I thought it could be Chewbacca. I have a bad feeling about this. Well, let's go to the next scene, and that might explain our worries about this one. Okay. So the trailer then cuts from this, and we see Finn, Chewbacca, and Han back on this Earth-like planet, raising their hands behind their heads in surrender. Yeah, and if you notice, uh, Chewbacca has his right bicep bandaged. Oh, I didn't so, see that. Yeah, so hopefully uh, that's the wound that she was crying about. and It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing to worry about, but... Hopefully not. We don't know. In voiceover now, we hear again this first female voice and uh, that we heard in the trailer, and she's saying, The Force, it's calling to you. It could be the same female voice, or it could be a different one. I, I tried to listen to them both, like, back-to-back. Back. Yeah. There's a bit of a difference, but that could account for the fact that it's a different conversation, a, you know, a different tone of voice or whatever being used. Yeah. But it was hard to say for a certainty that, yes, this is the same person talking. And kind of like a British accent, too. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. So, I, at first, I thought, could this be Leia talking to Ray? I don't think Leia would have that thick of an accent in this. And again, the voice saying that, it, you know, it's the Force, it's calling to you. This seems like it's some sort of mentorship that's going on here. Or some somebody that knows about the Force advising somebody that's young, you know, experiencing what Luke did in knowing that, you know, they're or re- coming to realize their strength in the Force. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Leia when it comes to Force abilities and powers, because obviously in Return of the Jedi, you know, Luke said that Leia had that power. Yeah. Being of the Skywalker family, we saw her have intuition or premonition that time, being able to sense Luke in trouble after his fight with Vader. So, you know, in the original expanded universe that is now legend, Leia eventually, you know, was taught to hone these skills and to wield a lightsaber and to train to be a Jedi. Uh, I don't know that they'll go that far with her character now. I definitely don't expect to 
see her jumping around doing crazy lightsaber battles like they had Yoda doing episode two. <laughs> I hope not. Three. But uh, she is a Skywalker. She has that ability and, you know, stands for reason that she did pick up a few things over the years. Yeah, and they are twins, Luke and Leia. So, they, you know, they you would t- tend to believe that they would have the same amount of force in them. I'm not using the M word. Yes, please. It'll be interesting. So this, this, she could very well be this individual talking about the Force to whomever she's speaking, whether it is Ray or Finn, who we know wields a lightsaber from the poster and from upcoming trailer scenes, or someone else. Yeah. And just one more thing is the uh, the second trailer. We do get a, a replay of that monologue where Luke says, I have it, my sister has it. It would be strange now if Leia didn't really have her Force powers manifest after putting that in the trailer the way they did. And it's also going to be interesting to see where we are at the end of this movie because I believe it was the intention of the writers to have this movie transition us from the characters we know and love, the the heroes of 4, 5, and 6, to the new heroes. And how much is that shift going to take place within this one movie? Can we expect to see Luke and Han and Leia in the whole new trilogy? Or will they, for some reason, disappear after this movie and will be left solely with Poe and Finn and Rey if they all survive? So that'll be interesting to see exactly how they work that out. Yeah, I, I hope it'll be a passing of the torch, but I hope they still stick around and, and still you know pop in from time to time. So the trailer now gives us a few more quick scenes. Uh, we see BB-8 on the back of an X-Wing over this ice planet as a wave of TIE fighters comes at them. And this confirms our assumption. Uh, we, we figured that BB-8 was kind of an upgrade from the type of droid that R2-D2 was. And uh, we see that he performs a similar function, you know, in, in the back of the X-Wing. Yes, he is some type of astromech droid. I just hope he has something that comes out of that round body to keep him in place, because I'd hate for the X-Wing to do a barrel roll and he slides right out. (laughs) They have magnets in that galaxy, don't worry. (laughs) But yeah, this looks like a dogfight over that same icy, snowy planet, and if you pause and look, it seems like there's like a, a trench Yes. In the snow, maybe a couple trenches, and not not just naturally occurring trenches like they're at, you know, sharp line, perhaps even 90-degree angles. So uh, this is very likely that Starkiller base that we've been talking about. Yeah, this is like a, a next generation of the Death Star for sure. And this kind of confirms our suspicions about everything. The the movie poster showing the, the Death Star-like structure. You know, is it a planet? Is it another Death Star? Uh, it could very well, color-wise, be an icy planet. And uh, this kind of ties into that scene, you remember, in the second trailer, where we saw Captain Phasma, and she's walking through, like, a Death Star-like hallway that also has rock-like walls. So we could see that there's some sort of internal structure, and whether it's a Death Star-like station that's disguised as a planet, or rather, did they build this whole structure into the planet, That you know, that's yet to be seen. But it's a very nice twist on on the ultimate weapon. And these very quick scenes continue. We see stormtroopers carrying blasters as they run down the ramp of a transport vehicle. Kind of continuing our look at them from the teaser. I definitely think this is a continuation of 
what we saw in the teaser of the uh, stormtroopers readying themselves for battle and then the inside shot of the ramp going down. That's probably right after that where they're descending off the ramp. We also see Ray firing a blaster, and we see the red glow of the laser reflected in her eyes. A really nice touch, nice shot here. And she's got an angry look on her face, like she's mad about something. Yes. Something that just happened or whatever. She's got a little anger in her, and that doesn't bode well if she's got force abilities. <laughs> she's uh, seeing red, literally. And we also see the X-Wing attack on this Earth-like planet from the ground as an X-Wing is fired upon by a stormtrooper. You know, big mistake here. The X-Wing fires back and, and it hits this stormtrooper, presumably killing him. And in the background of that scene, you, if you look, you can spot a stormtrooper already flying through the air from a previous explosion. Yeah. Kind of strange, the X-Wing on stormtrooper battle. But uh, as you said, you know, this is uh, some, for some reason a very important area. Yeah, when I played Rogue Squadron on my Nintendo 64, you could fly around and hover over the surface of the ground and pick off stormtroopers if you wanted to. <laughs> Definitely uh, an inspiration of J.J. Uh, Abrams. <laughs> now, we also get what looks like a group of hostages surrounded by stormtroopers and Kylo Ren as everything burns around them. And Kylo Ren quickly turns, igniting his lightsaber, and he's holding out his right hand. So that's a continuation of that earlier scene where we saw all these homes being destroyed and it seems as though these are the inhabitants of those homes and they're being rounded up for some reason. The music now reaches another crescendo and now we hear a, just a full orchestra, a choir, and just pounding percussion. And we get some more quick looks here. We see the Millennium Falcon being chased by a TIE fighter through the wreckage of a Star Destroyer on Jakku, like we've seen a couple of times already. And uh, there's an explosion up ahead, and the Millennium Falcon flies through it. At first, I thought this next shot was connected, but I don't think so. Uh, we cut to an explosion on the deck of a ship, as uh, Empire officials are kind of blown to the ground. Yeah, I definitely think that is a First Order ship, because if you pause and look and see one of those mouse droids... <laughs> yes, I was going to point that out. Yeah, that we're familiar with from, from the original trilogy, so... <laughs> uh, I think this is an explosion on a First Order Starship Bridge. I hope Chewbacca's still scaring those little things. <laughs> now also, in this scene, we, we get a good look at some of the control panels and the computers that are in the ship. And just looking at this, man, you can see the care and the effort that went into matching the look of the technology to the original trilogy. And, you know, instead of something that looks too advanced, we see something that looks very similar to that 70s future aesthetic from the original trilogy. Really nicely done. Yeah, yeah, such a quick shot, but a lot to look at and probably see a lot more of it within the movie. Yeah. Oh, this is visually dense, that's for sure. We next see a very sad Princess Leia being consoled by Han at uh, what I'll call the Resistance Base. Not really sure what this is. And uh, our, this is our first look at Carrie Fisher. She, uh, she looks concerned about something. Han is consoling her. This is possibly right around the same time that we saw Finn and Poe have their exchange as they were seemingly getting ready for battle. I was afraid that she's mourning over the loss of Chewbacca, but we'll, we'll have to see. Can't kill Chewie. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we next see Finn in a snowy forest igniting a blue lightsaber, and then from behind... We see a helmet and maskless Kylo Ren approaching him, again with that hilted red lightsaber. 
And just as the two are about to clash, the trailer cuts to black, the music stops, and in voiceover, well, let's let's stop and talk about Finn and Kylo Ren. There was a teaser released uh, maybe a month ago on the Star Wars Instagram of the shot of Kylo Ren igniting his lightsaber with the cross hilt um, that we had seen in the very first teaser. Mm-hmm. And then that was followed by Finn igniting his blue lightsaber in the same same setting. So that was the first time we had seen, you know, before then I had always just assumed that um, Ray was going to be the one taking up a lightsaber first. You know, she's walking around with like a staff. Yeah. Of, like she's kind of used to that, that type of action fighting style. Here we see, and again on the, uh, the poster, we see Finn is the one with the blue lightsaber. Possibly this is the lightsaber that Luke had lost on Bespin. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And this scene answers the question for me, is Luke Skywalker Kylo Ren? Because you can see a full head of black curly hair. Definitely doesn't look like Luke's head of hair. No, it looks like Adam Driver from from the back of his head. Yeah, so that's definitely who I think is fighting here. Now again, just because Finn is wielding the lightsaber here, he does look, you know, very overwhelmed. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's a Jedi either. Yeah, I, I mean, and we don't know what kind of time period this movie covers. I wouldn't imagine it a long period of time. I don't think they're going to, at some point halfway through the movie or whatever, say two years later or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, he was just a stormtrooper a few days ago or a week ago or something. So it's not like, you know, he's wielding the force, he's very proficient with a lightsaber. He's probably kind of just jumping into this thing without much knowledge or anything. And it'll be interesting to see how he handles himself. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there's a, a female voiceover. Again, this is the same one, just continuing. And she says, just let it in. So again, this whole sentence, she says, the force, it's calling to you. Just let it in. So is she talking to somebody that maybe is resisting the force at first? Yeah, I don't know if, if they're resisting or if uh, she's just, you know, telling them what they need to do. Yeah. Be able to use the force, that it'll just kind of flow naturally if they let it. So the, the trailer then ends with a softer version of the Star Wars theme and the title Star Wars The Force Awakens over a star field, along with this film is not yet rated. So they're still kind of teetering between the PG and PG-13 rating. I definitely think it's going to be PG-13, and I mean, I guess it's not official, but I'm pretty sure I've seen in a couple spots that they said it was going to be. Yeah. I can't imagine them getting away with a PG rating. I mean, we're not fighting droids in this one, so there's going to be a lot of intense scenes of peril and violence. And uh, once again, we get a confirmation that it is December 18th. They're calling it Christmas. It's the week before, uh, you know, but it definitely will be playing during Christmas, you know, and Christmas vacation. It'll be playing through New Year's and President's Day and (laughs) Valentine's Day. (laughs) It'll be out for quite a while, I think, making money. Oh, yeah. And I also saw that the official runtime has been announced at two hours and 16 minutes. Oh, wow. Which puts it right around past Star Wars movies. I think the original trilogy were all just over two hours. They were like two hours, seven minutes, 
around the two and a half hour mark. Yeah. I personally say the longer the better. I mean, sure, sometimes movies can kind of drag if they're too long, but, uh, you know, I'm paying the same price, whether it's a 90 minute comedy or a three hour epic. So <laughs> give me uh, more for my money. And for people that are interested, Paul and I did watch Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and we recorded commentary track episodes uh, for this podcast. So if you haven't heard those, go check them out, sync them up with your DVDs, and uh, and listen away. All right, so Paul, that's three trailers that we have. A couple of quick scenes in the first trailer, a little more action, a little more story in the second, and a little more cohesiveness, a little more narrative in the third. So let's try to put these pieces together and see if we can come up with the framework of the story, at least. What what do you think is going to happen? Well, this is my deduction. Okay. So we know that Finn Crash lands on Jakku yep. in his TIE fighter, and it looks like he just came from a Star Destroyer. In the second trailer, we saw a TIE fighter uh, opening fire on everything in a dock bay. Yes. Of what we assumed was perhaps a Star Destroyer. So I, I believe that was been doing that as well. What I think possibly happened is those scenes that we've seen at nighttime in the village with, with Captain Phasma and Kylo Ren, where they're burning the village, taking captives, things like that. I think that Finn was involved with that, and I think it was on Jakku. Oh, okay. That's my belief. I think they were after someone or something, whether it was Luke himself, whether they were looking for Ray for some reason, I don't know. But I think he was involved in that battle, not, not even really a battle, more of a slaughter or whatever. Yeah. I think what he saw taking place there is what set him off. Okay. Yeah, see, that that's kind of the thought that I had, is that he became a stormtrooper with ideals, and he was involved in something that really shook his view of everything. And uh, that could very well be. And this whole scene with Kylo Ren torching homes and everything, I think it has something to do with him pledging to the memory of Darth Vader that he will, can you know, finish what he started. And I think that involves trying to find Luke for some reason, whether he wants to try to persuade him or whether he wants to try to kill him. Uh, and that's kind of why I'm guessing we see Luke with those embers off to the side. It's almost as if Luke is watching what's going on. Yeah, so I think that's possibly the location of all of those goings on. And then, you know, he gets back up to the Star Destroyer. He decides to escape. He crashes. He meets Ray. Han and Chewie come along in the Falcon, pick them up. They're chased by TIE fighters. They escape. And that's when Ray and Finn uh, meet up with the rest of the Resistance, possibly along the way, stopping over at whatever that structure was with all the banners. Um, but why does Han say we're home? Uh, I have no clue. You know, I wonder if the the Falcon was on Jakku, if he lost it and he recovered it there. It almost seems to be like a, a ship graveyard of sorts. And the, the other thing, the other question I have is BB-8 seems to, you know, be an astromech droid. And what, how is he there with Rey so early on? Maybe she built him. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know why she has, has that droid with her. Yeah, see, it was, I was wondering about it. Once we saw BB-8 in the back of Poe Dameron's X-Wing, 
It's like, well, a TIE fighter crashed on Jakku. That's how we get Finn there. But how do how do we get BB-8 to be on Jakku? Yeah, but I don't want it to be like all these things came about just by coincidence, you know, that all this stuff happened on the same planet or whatever. Like, I hope there's meaning behind everything. Yeah. No. And it just doesn't happen that, oh, the, the Falcon's on the same planet that this girl that's Force-sensitive lives on and... And this stormtrooper crashes that also wants to join the resistance. Like, I hope there's meaning behind it all. The force drew them to this one location. <laughs> but uh, I think, I kind of think there's three main locations in this movie. I think there's the planet of Jakku, there's the Starkiller base, and this ice hot like planet. I'm not entirely sure yet if I think the scene in a snowy forest are that same planet or a different one. Right now I'm going with the same one, though. Oh, like um, the, the Earth-like planet? You think that could also be the forested planet as well? I think the green forested planet is its own, but I think the forested planet with the snow might be the ice planet. Okay, yeah, that, that could very well be, because it is snowing in some scenes that we've seen. Yeah. And all, every planet in this, in this galaxy seems to be a one-climate planet. <laughs> Either you're a desert, you're a lush tropical rainforest, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think there might be three main locations in this movie, you know, but then again, that scene where Kylo Ren and his fellow knights or whoever they were standing in the rain, where would that be? That's not on the desert planet, is that on the forest planet? You know, I don't know. Yeah. So, a lot of pieces yet to, to put together. Which is good, which is good. The final pieces should always be put together as you're watching the big screen. There were a couple teaser trailers, very, very short, that I guess were on TV. I didn't see them, but I saw them on YouTube that were getting people ready for the trailer release during Monday Night Football. Uh-huh. And they, they showed a lot of similar scenes, but there were a couple things unique just to them. One was a scene of Poe Dameron at night and he had a blaster rifle in hand, and it looked like he was kind of looking up at something. So there was a scene where he wasn't a fighter pilot, you know, he was doing some uh, maneuvers on the ground, yeah. the blaster rifle. And then there's also one where you hear the very noticeable sound of TIE fighters, and you see through the canopy of trees, TIE fighters and other starships flying overhead, and then you see that it's Ray and DB-8 looking up from the ground at this. Hmm. So those were a couple interesting scenes as well. Yeah. And as I mentioned to you earlier today, I found out that Billy Lord, a female actress, I believe she's in her early 20s, she's actually the daughter of Carrie Fisher, and she's going to be in this movie, but it is not thought that she is the daughter of Princess Leia. Okay. But um, I had seen her name in IMDb, I checked her out, what other stuff she's been in. Nothing was said about that, but then today I was on YouTube just going through old interviews with Carrie Fisher, some newer stuff with her, and she mentioned having this daughter. And when I looked her up, I was like, oh, that's the same actress that's in this movie. So, oh, okay. Kind of interesting, because, you know, Carrie Fisher at times has seemed a little, uh, I don't know, not, not a big fan of certain things that have happened in her life because of playing this role. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure she's grateful for all the money it's brought and other things, but maybe 
some of the less desirable things, you know. Sometimes fans are pretty crazy and stuff. So it's just kind of interesting that she would, whether she encouraged her daughter to take this role on or, you know, at least gave it her blessing. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of role her daughter has in it. You know, maybe it'll be something, maybe it won't be much. I don't know if it means anything, but on IMDb, she's pretty high up there on the list of cast. Oh, okay. But there is no name next to her for a character either, so. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie uh, that we really haven't gotten a look at, so, yeah, she could very well be a prominent character, but they're just not showing us yet. Yeah, what's that really, really famous older actor? Uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier? No, Max something. Oh, yeah, Max von Sydow is in this, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I'm curious what he is. I think... Let me look. On IMDb... Wow, he's 86 years old. Good for him. Uh, Ewok Chief, it says. <laughs> huh. No, they're actually... On IMDb, there's no listing for him. And what's the uh, the title of um, Andy Serkis' character? I thought I'd seen something. Uh, last name Snoke or Smoke or something like that? Yeah, Supreme Leader Snoke is his name. Yeah. So I really think that's a first order sounding kind of name, but we'll see. Yeah, and it sounds alien. Are, are we sure that he's going to play a humanoid, or is he going to do what he does best and be a motion-captured CGI creature? I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people listed under, you know, the cast on IMDb with no real characters' names assigned to them, like Greg Grunberg, who we know from Heroes. We know he's a pal of J.J. Abrams. Simon Pegg. I think we've seen Simon Pegg's character, but there, there's no real name assigned to it. Yeah, I think he's just kind of going to be an extra. And there's also been talk that Daniel Craig is possibly a stormtrooper. Oh, really? Yeah, that he just wanted to be involved somehow. Hey, why not? Uh, looks like there would... are Ewoks in here, according to this. So I wonder if that yeah. is an Endor setting. Yeah, maybe one or two uh, stuck around after their tribe was saved. Yeah, maybe they, uh, you know, they're, they become decorated heroes and, you know, advanced in the resistance in rank. <laughs> hey, you never know. They, they built some pretty good weapons fairly quickly. <laughs> they built flying uh, gliders from scratch. <laughs> but they did. <laughs> they used a lot of the same things that the family Robinson did against the pirates, rolling logs down hills and stuff like that. <laughs> but anyway, this, uh, this trailer definitely pumped me up. You know, like I said, I was ordering the tickets as I watched. We were on the phone together uh, watching it. I was DVRing it and watched it several times that night, several more times at work the next day on YouTube. Um, I've probably seen it from beginning to end uh, probably about 30 times so far. Yeah. Be watching it many more up until the release. It has not disappointed yet, and uh, I don't expect it to by the looks of things. We've been hurt before, but I think they got it right this time. What I guess I had heard before, but I just officially noticed as I was looking through something that was showing all the upcoming releases for Disney, is that this is going to be the only Star Wars movie that Abrams directs. Yeah. They already have directors in mind for, uh, well, they already have one working on Rogue One for next year, but there's going to be a different director for episodes eight and nine, I believe, one of the directors directed Looper and a couple other popular movies. That'll be interesting to see if they each bring their own unique way of doing things, shooting things or whatever. Obviously, Disney has the same core people involved with it, and they'll make sure 
Yeah. But that'll just kind of be interesting to see if there's any noticeable differences between one film and the next. And, you know, Marvel's done a great job, too, uh, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is also owned by Disney. Great job of getting directors for these movies, and even some that maybe you haven't heard about before. Even ones like uh, Jon Favreau with Iron Man, and uh, Kenneth Branagh with Thor, Joss Whedon with The Avengers, and now the Russo brothers with uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Just some great jobs. And so uh, I, I, I expect uh, Star Wars to be the same. We may not have heard of these guys. Disney is not going to take the decision of getting a new director lightly. And if you think about it, I mean, many television shows will use different directors from episode to episode, and, and you never really notice a difference. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be something to be overly concerned about. It's just a different idea with Lucas being at the helm for the original six. I mean, obviously, uh, other people were involved, Kirshner and such. Yeah. But, you know, he was always front and center calling the shots. And now with that not being the case, you know, from everything I've seen and I'm hearing, I know I won't be disappointed that this will be awesome. And hopefully I'll see it more than I saw Phantom Menace in the uh, theater, which was six <laughs> times grand total. Uh, after seeing it uh, re-released in 3D. So. Yeah, beat that record, please. <laughs> now, are you going to go opening night or opening weekend, or what are your plans? I'm going to try, but I'm not sure. Uh, I probably won't, but I probably will try to go opening week. But we'll see. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your theories about Star Wars Episode 7, whatever you got for us, at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, Paul, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, sure, you can follow me on Twitter at Zajewski. That is Z-A-J-C-Z-E-W-S-K-I. I'm not too active on that, but as we get closer and closer to the release, I'll probably be tweeting some stuff about Star Wars. No spoilers, please. No, no. <laughs> I won't be live tweeting from the theater. <laughs> I am on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There my name is also MC and Friends, and there I do little flip page animation, little humorous cartoons. You can follow me there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. And uh, we are also now on Stitcher, so you can stream and download us there. And you can find us on TuneIn Radio. Well, Paul, thanks for taking some time to come on the show, and uh, I definitely look forward to talking more Star Wars with you in the future. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, and I uh, look forward to the movie just seven weeks away. Yeah, it's coming up fast. Well, we have been Paul and Scott, and this has been Hitting Plate. Thank you so much for listening. May the Force be with you. <laughs>